Welcome to Every Album Ever with Mike and Alex. My name is Michael Mansour, and I'm joined as always by my festive co-host Alexander Voltz. Say hello. Hello. This is Every Album Ever, the podcast where we listen to every single album in the world, one artist at a time. That's a whole new discography per episode, including itty bitty cheating tiny discographies like this one. Uh, and we'll be discussing. So yeah, we'll be discussing every one album by. The Sex Pistols. Now, people who like this show might think we're cheating, and we are. We're not cheating, okay? There's a, it's a it's an important band, yes. and and for once, the first time maybe ever in this entire show's history, we're not uh, cashing in on a one album discography because we're behind schedule. Yeah, we're actually on schedule. We just thought it was time to finally talk about Sex Pistols. Yes, it is. Uh, ben, you know. It's been on the 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 what if schedule for a long time. Our big schedule, yeah, our massive massive list that we haven't we man that that list is just as big today as it was when we first started. <laughs> Partially because of all you lovely people that listen to us and yes. uh, subscribe to Patreon, Please so that, that uh, yeah that um that padded out the list quite a bit. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a big band it's it's intimidating to talk about because what is there to say that nothing has, yeah we're not going to add anything interesting <laughs> tune out <laughs> it's just uh if you like us this is this is finally our two cents on the album and um yeah in the in the history of the podcast i'm i'm glad we kind of use those bands to to find our our voice and our our groove early on yeah the bigger the bigger names um before we settled on the niche thing that we like to do with all the bands that nobody cares about except for a select few. But those select few like us, thankfully. So uh, for the most part. Yeah. Um, I also realized how little I actually know, like know about that actual sex pistols same here i i knew a little bit i knew like the the general bullet points but a lot of these stories are brand new to me because they're they're one of the bands the bands that have been so overplayed and pushed on me for so long that even when i was in my punk phase in my teenage years i was still like up I'm, I'm past the sex pistols all right yeah i'm listening to turvy cadet from <laughs> finland and uh it's still a fun history. It's a really wild history. It's really interesting. Um, I hate Sid Vicious more now than I ever did before. <laughs> Learning more about him, I really, really can't stand the guy. Yeah, <laughs> love John Lydon more than ever, and I definitely love um, uh, uh, Steve Jones more than ever. Uh, I, I hate John. I love him. I think more he's, than ever. he's been more consistent. Everyone thinks that he went right wing. Uh uh-uh. uh, he's been the most. It's it's so wild. If you like, you listen to what he's saying. He's basically repeating the same thing that he did in the, in the 70s it's just the world looks different and he's more crotchety so it comes out weird but i think yeah i think, I think he's always, misunderstood I, I think it's always come out weird um but yeah it is it it is a very youthful band i think it is for it is for young people because yeah, you get you get a little bit older, and maybe maybe you start liking things like like pil or pill pill, pill whatever. Limited, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe you know, maybe you like the the complexities more of a of a minute man. Minute man are are the shit. Yeah. Episode. So um, well they're they're ba- they're they're essentially the one of the first punk bands ever obviously and it's a lot more like 
like a more uh, jagged New York Dolls type thing. It's not quite as rock and roll formulaic, mm-hmm. but it's definitely like all the songs feel the same and very they're very upbeat and and um, I hesitate to use the term poppy, but they're 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 not like Ramones poppy, but yeah. they are like upbeat and fun. It's hard to like find anything offensive about it now, of course, because we have millions of years of, of growth, I guess. But I did not realize there was a beef between the New York Dolls and uh, the Sex Pistols. I didn't either, but also who didn't the Sex Pistols have beef with? I mean, everybody. <laughs> yeah, they, they hated the Ramones. They hated. Well, who I don't know. It's the first yeah. thing that came to mind. They did hit the Ramones, though. At least uh, Johnny Rotten did. But also, it's 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 fascinating because they were like the most obnoxious group of kids who was like, "Fuck this, fuck that, fuck that." I mean, the the foundation of punk, I guess. But uh, Lydon early on still had like really good taste in music. He was a big Can fan. Check out those episodes uh, and other stuff that I I'm blanking on now. That was like that's really. That explains Pill afterward. Explains why Pill yeah. was a, such an interesting band. Strange, unique band. Yeah. yeah. And also explains... Um, I, I don't know. It doesn't really explain the fucking... The, the angstiness. I just... I don't fucking know. They were poor. They were... they were There was nothing. There was nothing culture-wise. They had, there was no hope or prospects um, in the part of the world that they lived at that time in history. And it just, it just sort of made sense that punk as a thing would uh, emerge. Except... The thing that really was the most entertaining, ridiculous, fucked up and shitty, but necessary, Malcolm McLaren. (laughs) McLaren, McLaren, rather. Uh, Yeah, that's a name (laughs) I was not familiar with until doing this episode, but apparently had a huge impact on the band. He was the Sex Pistols. The the fifth member who was not in the... He was their manager was like the quintessential scumbag music manager, greedy guy, stealing money, fucking lying, screwing people over, getting sued. It's a sh- I haven't watched that show. I don't know if I ever will, but it's a shame. David. Oh, that's right. What is it? It was on it was on FX. FX that's right. Um it's a shame they didn't get Paul Giamatti to play him cuz I just want him to play every sleazy manager in yeah, a musical I, biopic i don't see why not him or joe pantaleano like in la bamba oh dude oh joey pants yeah so good <laughs> so good <laughs> also la bamba welcome to the criterion collection that's hilarious yeah it's only a matter what is it just time that gets those things uh, I, I feel inducted? i feel like they try to preserve things that are um have either like artistic integrity or art- say no more la bomba's a masterpiece it, i i've actually <laughs> never seen it are you serious yeah i've seen it way too many goddamn times yeah dude. um and again i did grow up in east la so it makes yeah, perfect sense are that are like criminally like overlooked and this not being taken care of properly so i think la bomba fits that thing and where it was like is a major like it's a major motion picture but it's not treated with the same like respect. Uh, uh, saving Private Ryan is, for example, when it should be getting more. You heard it Alex should be getting more. So Malcolm McLaren, he he basically he doesn't form the band. Steve Jones and I believe it's Paul Cook. Uh, you know what? I'm forgetting it, who initially formed it. Steve Jones 
for sure. Um, yeah, it was it was it was uh, Paul Cook on drums. Basically, McLaren is the guy who gathered everyone else. He's the one who found John Lydon, Johnny Rodden, whatever. Uh, he found him. Uh, who was it that that said? Apparently, uh, McLaren's uh, lady friend Vivian Westwood. She spotted John Lydon. He had like green hair, and he was wearing uh, he was wearing a Pink Floyd shirt, but he had the the eyes of the members cut out uh and he wrote in his own writing i hate on top of <laughs> pink floyd <laughs> and she spotted him was like you should get him and apparently th- there might have been a miscommunication i think she said at some point that she was actually talking about sid sid vicious whose real name was john and that they missed he mistook him for Lydon, and that's it was like i don't know how true that is yeah uh, i think that'd be funny considering it, funny and, and also bad because uh, Johnny Rollins is an infinitely better singer and it has more of a st- Sid Vicious was just a junkie. Sure. Um, but anyway, he found him that way. Um, he also, I think um, Glenn Matlock, the original bassist, worked at the same shop as McLaren. If I'm, if I'm, I could be fucking all this stuff. Who knows? Go read it for your, for your damn self. That's not why you're here. I'm I, just going to run through this fucking, this backstory. I, I thought you would have this down pat. I was, I liked the Sex Pistols plenty as a, as a kid, but yeah. uh, I didn't, I was already, I kind of jumped over them to go to hardcore. Like the only exception of that, me jumping over to hardcore was the damned. The damned was a band that I, like I invested time in mm-hmm. and then went to hardcore. Uh, but sex was, I just sort of, I just sort of skipped them and enjoyed them in passing. Um, they were around when I was a little, little kid, like too little to like Nirvana age when I was like, you know, six, seven. So every band you listened to, you were too young. For. Exactly. Exactly. You know how, you know how too young I was for sex pistols. I couldn't. Were you like in diapers? No, no, no. <laughs> but I couldn't. I couldn't comprehend how uh, the album title made uh, made sense as a sentence. Like, never mind the bollocks. Here's a sex. I didn't understand how that could be uh, processed as a as a, a sentence. I didn't you, know what it could possibly mean. You got British family too. That's I do. Like, I do. But it, it made <laughs> the, the none of the words made any sense. The phrasing of it made no sense. Yeah. That's how. That's how you're too young. But. Anyway, McLaren gets Matlock in there. Uh, Matlock and Lydon. Matlock writes all the music. He writes all the music. Okay, and I'm I'm emphasizing this because he's not in the lineup that everyone knows, of course. Yeah, he writes all of the music. I think uh, John Lydon writes most of the lyrics, if not all the lyrics. I think Matlock wrote some lyrics, but is mostly Lydon and. He writes all all that they they do a bunch of stuff. They have a, a couple singles, blah 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 blah, and then he gets replaced. He leaves. He's butting heads with 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 John Lydon. He's butting heads with McLaren a, a lot. They push him out, and the quote is because he liked the Beatles too much, or he liked Paul McCartney too much. They keep throwing that quote around. I don't know yeah. how true that is because yeah. he did leave. Uh, he says he left of his own volition. They get Sid Vicious in there, who can't play bass, who is a a. Crazy, crazy junkie. Uh, he's abusive. He starts bar fights. He has a tendency to stab people with broken bottles. Uh, and then the whole Nancy thing where it seems like he killed her. It's unproven. And then it's all... We can talk about that later. But I have not looked into that it, in a while. We'll talk a little bit about it. It's fucking gnarly. He stunk. And I only say that because... He was he was recruited specifically because of the, the look. I mean, most people I think know this by now. He he was uh, they did everything in their power to keep him out of the studio oh, because shit. 
uh, he, he couldn't play. Yeah. There are rumors that certain shows his base wasn't even plugged in. It's not, I, I think, it, I think it was, I think it's been debunked. I don't know. I can't say for sure, but I think it's been debunked. Uh, he did record bass tracks for bodies. And then as soon as he left, Steve Jones went and overdubbed over them. And yeah. just, you know, they're still in the mix, I think, but you can't hear them. Uh, so McLaren does all this stuff. He, it's orchestrating everything. He's a fucking psychopath. Things blow up, but that's that's like the that's like the the synopsis, fucking you know five paragraph history of the band. Uh, but we do have more from our history. I Tom Osman, who should all go support and follow. He has uh, some info here from the Sex Pistols official website, as well as this. Um, this article from Far Magazine called Every Band or Artist Who Saw That Infamous Sex Pistols Gig, which is going to be, which is a fun, funny little article. So this timeline, he got this timeline directly from the website and uh, Tom notes here, he says, uh, timeline from the official Sex Pistols website, not as willfully misleading as the no means no one, it must be assumed, check out that episode, uh, where their website is completely fabricated and it's all fiction, maybe hints of truth in there, but... and then he says, by the way, I don't know if we're playing this game, but Steve Jones is my favorite sex pistol by a mile. I get it. That dude is really funny and aged like a fun uncle. Love him. Yeah. Uh, it's probably most people's. Y- yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, I remember even like a long time ago, uh, <laughs> Russell Brand had this really awkward talk show on FX where they tried to do it live. And it was like, it was weird. Like you... N- Things or things are weird when you know it's live, um, and it was kind of clunky. It wasn't that great, but it had like a lot of merit. There was like he he tried to have dialogue between these really ideological opposites, and he would give each people like a debate. It was interesting, but the reason I bring it up is because Steve Jones was the house band. He wasn't. I mean, he was he was the band. He was just a guy on a couch with an electric guitar, and he played the intro music, and he would um, he'd do some banter. He brought he brought in his own bits yeah. and like jokes, and he was like he was genuinely funny and likable on there. He might he might have to be a witness in court soon. Maybe, maybe. Not proven that. Not, not proven yet. Though we'll see. We'll see. Check back. Check back. Check back on this video in a oh, year and see. <laughs> it's pretty fucking grim. <laughs> oh, I know, but we'll see. Uh, all right. Tom also notes here. He says, "Do not ever doubt my ability to insert coil, the band coil, into the notes of a seemingly unrelated band." Uh, many viewers may not be aware that Coil's Peter Christopherson, in his previous guise as a photographer, actually took the first promotional photos of the Sex Pistols back in 1976. Did not know that. There we go. Coil is a fucking interesting band. I've only heard a little bit, but they are incredible. Um, and he, he goes on to say, he says, I think it's in the book, England's Hidden Reverse, where it tells the story of Christopherson having been recruited to design the front window of Malcolm McLaren's sex store. That's a clothing brand that was really paramount to that whole British scene at the time. Um, he says, from what I remember, Christopherson had created a ghoulish setup with severed and or burned limbs that looked so realistic they had to scrap the whole thing. Well, I bet... Uh I bet Euronymous of of Mayhem was that made his store look like a Halloween store. I bet. I know. Although I don't think Euronymous very much liked having customers at his store. Check out that episode. I should I think he's a hypocrite. There's always like more to I think he's a hip I think that dude loved money. Oh, you mean Euronymous? Yeah. Oh, he definitely. He definitely didn't like the people who shopped at his store. I'll I'll go with that one. It's like a nest. I think yeah, necessary evil for sure. Yeah. 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 Anyways, uh, uh, Tom also says, I may have partially misremembered the story, but this is the man who, according to Genesis P Orridge from, 
Throbbing bristles. God damn it, man. I can't even forget the fucking name of the band. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is a man, according to, to Genesis, enjoyed putting his nuts in a vice and seeing how tightly he could squeeze him so it wouldn't be too surprising. <laughs> Holy shit. Christopherson would squeeze his nuts in a vice. This hanging out with the guys from Jackass. We need to do an episode on Coil, dude. <laughs> Holy God. Coil and... Throbbing God. gristle. Pray, pray for our souls and throbbing gristle. Yeah. We might come out different. I think we will come out different. Um, we, we did swans. It's like, yeah, you, you guys had, you know, baby's first experimental noisy band. I mean, we've covered other ones, but that was big. Yeah, swans is pretty big. Time to graduate and go to college. Dude, if you go to throbbing gristle, I mean, it's. It's far less musical. That's for damn sure. It's, it's, all, it's all downhill. I mean, one of our earlier episodes was Beefheart. So, uh, I mean, I love Beefheart, and it is, I, and I do like Thriving Crystal quite a bit. But I, it's more of like watching a horror movie to me. Okay, a lot. Some other albums. I've, I've only heard a couple. The fucking Funk Greats album. I forgot what it's called. That one is. I think it was. It's probably one of the easiest ones to get into. But, uh. So this is the the from the article from far out that he cites here, which is interesting because he says on June 4th, 1976, the Sex Pistols played their infamous Manchester debut at the Lesser Free Trade Hall, a show that everyone and their mother has subsequently claimed to have attended. So who was actually there? And that's and that's what makes me laugh because uh scientifically, most people were lying. If you're just yes. judging <laughs> like, yes, there's no way. No way. So yeah, the article asks, how many people were there? It says, well, according to David Nolan, author of I Swear I Was There, the gig that changed the world. It's a good name for a book. Something seems to be amiss on this front. And the quote from him says, it's funny because I think you can get 150 people in the lesser free trade hall. And by my reckoning, seven and a half thousand were there supposedly. <laughs> so something must have gone awry with the ticketing, apparently. <laughs> That's quite a discrepancy. That's a, <laughs> this is a huge one. So it's a, it asks who who was amongst the crowd. Aside from the Buzzcocks and Slaughter and the Dogs who opened the show, the list of notable attendees is as follows. Joy Division, check out that episode. Factory Records founders Martin Hannett and Tony Wilson. Uh, Mick Hucknall of Simply Red. Marky Smith of The Fall. Morrissey, check out episode on The Smiths. Uh, John Cooper Clark. And these are some quotes from... Well, Morrissey said, I mean, if you need any reason to like him less, apparently he penned an entire epistle to the gig and the enemy in which he recalled, despite their discordant music and barely audible, audacious lyrics, they were called back for two encores. <laughs> yeah, dude, people like music that's not whiny. Uh, that's not true. I, uh, I don't know how they had that much material, but... Uh, it's a good point. Covers? Not, not a cover. Yeah. But, yeah, a lot of the covers are recorded, though. It's only a handful. Ah, who knows? Um, Steve Diggle of the Buzzcock says, that was the day the punk rock Adam was split, no doubt about it. It's amazing to see there. There's where it exploded from. It changed Manchester and it changed the world. And then it goes on to say, without directly giving credit to the Sex Pistols for the inspiration, Marky Smith, no shocker that he's not going to give it up to anybody. Marky Smith remarked when recalling the gig that it set him, fuck, I can't read. When recalling the gig that it set in him a mantra, he says, when I was 18, the vision was to make music that didn't exist because everything else was so unsatisfactory. Uh, so the next Next step in the, the the journey of the Pistols, 1976, they, they start to play regularly throughout London and UK. Uh, they also play their first shows abroad in Paris. And they get signed to EMI and released Anarchy in the UK. That's their first single. 
Uh, well, don't get used to them being on EMI because they were quickly sacked. Uh, they were on the Today Show on today, the show today, not the Today Show in the U.S. Uh, and interviewer Bill Grundy go to the band into swearing live on, on early evening TV. I think it was Steve Jones was the the first one to to start swearing. I think. Uh, and says due to the media media for the band find themselves banned from playing live in the UK because of that. Uh, e- EMI then scraps the pistols. They fucking drop them, and Matt Locke leaves in 1977. And that's when Sid Vicious comes in. Uh, they signed to A and M Records. Ten days later, they get dropped. And it doesn't mention it here, but the reason they got dropped was because they were, I think they were celebrating at their offices for getting the deal or whatever. And they approached some BBC DJ, I forget his name. And I think Sid Vicious was drunkenly cornering him saying, it might've been him and other members of the band, but for sure him. And they were saying like, when are we going to be on your fucking show? When are we going to be on your show? Like, like cornering him. And somehow a bar fight erupted uh, Sid Vicious stabs some engineer in the face with a bottle, uh, a broken bottle, and then they get dropped from AM. Uh, good reason, I would say. That's a pretty good That's reason. Good reason. <laughs> That's a better reason than swearing. <laughs> it's it's a much better reason. So they signed a Virgin, and then they released Scotty the Queen, uh, the second single. Apparently, they've been t- they were attacked on the streets during this period of time. Things are blowing up. The publicity is out of control. Blah 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 blah. Uh, later that year, they record Nevermind the Bollocks the debut with uh, Chris Thomas producing, and the two singles were pretty vacant, pretty vacant in holiday holidays in the sun. So that basically brings us to the album. Yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> It we've all heard of it, so we all kind of have an idea of what it is and what it sounds like. Might as well talk a little bit about the music. Yeah, and spent almost a half hour talking about the history. I imagine we're some some kids introduction. I kids people under thirty don't listen to us. Do you? Let us know in the comments. Yeah, yeah. If you do, <laughs> go outside. I don't know what's happening here. How old are you, Sid? Uh, Not yeah. vicious. Good, good, good question. Our, our fan, our fan said, good point. there's only one Sid. He's eight years old, but he, he might be eight years old potentially. But now here it is the one and only album. We are going to be, I'm going to talk a little bit, a little bit about that soundtrack from that movie that came out after this, but we're not going to be covering it because yeah. it's fucking wonky. But here it is 1977's Never Mind the Bollocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. It's a very cool soundscape to open an album with. Yeah, I'm watching. Really sounds incredible. Production wise, it does. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say hundreds of pumpkins. At least hundreds, yeah. Also, I've not listened to this in a, a very long time. Yeah. And uh, I think I 
was just too young to care about the lyrics, but this time I was like, what the fuck is this actually about? Uh, I don't know what that song is about. I, I didn't read most of the lyrics. It's I, about uh, vacationing in, in Berlin while they were, uh, you know, the wall was still up. Oh, wow. That's and, actually pretty and, <laughs> and, well, it's maybe true. The logic was uh, we already, they felt like they lived in one prison. Let's go to another. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that wall was up at this point. It's crazy. Um, so the album's good <laughs> it's not gonna we're not gonna have much revolutionary things to say yeah although i mean we're doing ourselves just credit we're doing the fucking episode let's talk like we're doing an episode yes we should uh i think that opener fucking rules i think this whole album actually holds up pretty damn well i think being older now like i said at the the top of the podcast it was a very youthful energy where i feel like like kids need this album and i don't need it as much as like i don't need it as much anymore like i'm i i can say i'm over it uh i'm mostly over but i still i still enjoy the hell out of it i'm not i don't have any problem with it the only song i have a problem with that i actually think is like what the fuck are you doing is submission because it's just a complete rebuff of all day and all the night by the kinks Mm. it's just i mean it's a it's the same fucking riff. It's the same goddamn riff. I, I don't have any issues with this album, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I, this, I, I, like I said, I feel like I've, I've grown out of it. Like, I'm like, that's a fine album. I, I get why it's super popular. I, I get why people love it. Yeah. I just, I don't need it in my life anymore. Ah, uh, I'm okay with it in my life. I fucking love it. I still love Johnny Rotten's voice. I think he has one of the most unique punk voices. I um, mean, it is the, like, the snarl punk vocal. Yeah, but, like, also, uh, I, I don't know too many people that directly mimicked him because it was so, it's like trying to mimic Joe Biafra or something. Like, it's just, it's so distinct. You'll know exactly what you people will know what you're trying to do if you try it. It's like, it's I, too, it's so distinct. I, I definitely don't think there was like a one for one rip off of his voice, but you can definitely hear it in other artists. It's, even, it's still very strong. Yeah, of course. Even, even like a jello. Uh, yeah, I suppose you're right. But it's just such a unique style too. And Steve, Steve Jones guitar playing is very, and it's just, it's like, it was the perfect kind of playing for this band to make an impact. And I'm not, and I don't want to give the impression that this music was so revolutionary. That's what caused it. It was a lot of the publicity and a lot of the image and a lot of Punk mm-hmm. McLaren, honestly, a which lot of the is, interviews, which is funny. Cause that's like the least punk anarchy thing 100%. ever <laughs> yeah it uh i mean one of the things they did like he orchestrated was them playing a show on a boat outside a courthouse i forget something mm-hmm. like that in order to to get publicity of course the cops came and malcolm was arrested which means he succeeded and it worked and yeah. it got them so a lot of the things like that the, obviously the swearing on the talk show blew them all these things blew them up that's, uh, so, that's so funny how they did the boat thing and then the clash would do the boat thing and it's just uh it's just a music video i don't remember the boat thing for, for the clash they did they uh i don't know if they had music videos or if they call them promo videos but in the i'm just gonna call it that in the music video for london calling they're like playing on a on a boat i mm. believe going down 
the river river Thames. Well, they, they don't believe they were harassing city officials the way no, sex pistols. No, no, probably you, not. Yeah, but. I, but I feel like, you know, obviously they probably knew about that. Oh, if, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one of the things that helped blow them up. Uh, and so that's not very, what I guess we consider punk rock now, but I guess at the time, the whole thing was the whole point of everything was to be offensive and to shock you. And, hey, fuck you. We're not going to, we're going to do exactly the opposite of what you think is proper. I mean, they walked around wearing swastikas. Like didn't, were they Nazis? No, obviously not, but it was scary mm-hmm. and that's enough. And that's why I think like you, you get, if you get offended by like something that John Lydon says today, like remember those are the guys that are wearing swastikas. Like that's what they do. That's, that's who they are. Um, most people grow up and calm down. <laughs> Some people don't, but that's the, the kind of thing. Like you weren't willing to do that. And they were therefore that's part of the reason it became so uh, fascinating and why everyone was, even if they were like threatening the guys and they hated them, it's like the Howard Stern shit. Like, yeah, you're, you're just, you can't take your eyes off it. Um, but the whole thing that started that whole tangent was Steve Jones guitar playing, which is like, uh, it's, it's like the perfect, perfect, uh, point between rock and roll and what, we we now consider like a punk guitar style it's a, it's a good bridge it was the perfect bridge like yeah. it was exactly it was chuggy and it was fat sounding and it was it was heavy um and it had a lot of like the rock and roll style he still played kind of like rock and roll but it was more raw it was more um it was faster and choppier and, and it it just it's like that's what you need you need something to gu- kind of guide you into this new thing into this new style and mm-hmm. it sounds I- fucking awesome I do remember trying to get into punk rock and being kind of disappointed by the Ramon sound. And this felt more appropriate of this felt more like what I had lined up in my head. You mean like uh, production wise or, or yeah, or this, the sound and the playing. It's, it's very, it's very sharp. It's a very yeah. like abrasive sound, not abrasive in like, the band God. Sure. Things evolve and change. Yeah. And but it's like, yeah, if you're comparing it to the Ramones, uh, Ramones are very poppy, very simple. It's very, uh, kind of, I want to be your boyfriend. There is no, oh, I was thinking the song. It's right. I forgot about the fucking lyrics. I'm thinking yeah. about the song, the actual style. Of no, playing. well, obviously that too, but yeah, there is no, there is no, I want to be your boyfriend here. No songs about abortion. Here. Yeah. It's a lot gnarlier. It's way gnarlier. <laughs> <laughs> and, not, and not really done in a, a cutesy way, the way a teenage lobotomy is. So it's not cute. There's nothing cute here. It's still happy. It's still very, it's a very happy album. Every song feels exactly the same, but it's still, it's catchy and it's still mean, even if it's weirdly happy. Um, but I guess that's, that's kind of how a lot of rock and roll and blues was. It felt, it was happy, even though it was a grim genre back in the day. So back to some of the songs, Bodies was basically my favorite Sex was a song as a kid. It could still be, honestly. It would. It would be. <laughs> is, that, is that one of the abortion songs? <laughs> that is the. Okay. Uh, I didn't even. I don't read the lyrics. I don't fucking. All I know is I, that intro is fucking incredible. Yeah. It's one of the coolest intro. I think it's their coolest intro by far. Mm-hmm. And the, that chorus is unbelievably good. It's it's just it's just fun. <laughs> it's morbid. I, yeah, but it's fun as hell. I found like a. Uh, a crazy quote from uh, Johnny uh, about, you know, some of the lyrics when he's singing like no feelings. Um, yeah. 
I don't like this sounds made up, but whatever. I, like what? Um, he said, my dad was sponsoring a lot of orphans at the time. And one of the girls just became too attracted to me. I had to tell her, look, I have no feelings. Just because my dad is letting you stay at his house for the weekend doesn't mean you can marry me. But there's the sad truth of orphans, which I've always donated money to. And they grew up with a prison like mentality. What the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> I don't fucking know. Who said that? Uh, Rotten, Johnny Rotten. So that's where the, the that's where the <laughs> that's that story. So that song came from that experience or part of that song. <laughs> it's fucking that's madness. I, I'm so confused. Like your just your dad was sponsoring orphans, not your family or your mom. Just your dad. Well, I was. Did he live with? It? Well, I don't know what that situation was like. And then I don't, I don't find that part to be fishy. I find the other parts to be fishy. And then I love the like. It feels like just to be clear. Just to be clear, I love orphans. I donate money to orphans. I. Lo- they're my favorite. I love orphans. It's very Trump-like. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people do that. I think it's pretty funny. Yeah. So I was just like, I was fucking laughing. One thing that, that I, because I like John Lennon for a lot of reasons. One of them is, uh, it's like, he's really like militant about whatever the, the he believes in, but it's like, it's unwavering and it's like, it's based on a lot of like integrity. So like one really random thing. And it's actually kind of sad because his wife, uh, was it Nora? His wife, Nora Forrester just died this year mm-hmm. um, in April. And I think she was suffering from Alzheimer's and he was basically her caregiver for like years. But over the years, uh, it, from anecdotally, like he was, he loved his wife. He stuck by her. Like I bet he did. And I, I remember finding that, I think I might've talked about this a long, long time ago, but I, I don't know how I found it. It was some forum like like a groupie forum of like groupies giving their experiences with famous mm-hmm. musicians. Uh, it could be completely fabricated, but it was all anonymous and it was all like, it seemed like that might be real. That might be. Yeah. And there's all a bunch of ones like Lane Staley had a small dick and, and Tina Moreno is a fucking asshole. He's always cheating on his wife. But one for Johnny Rodden was Johnny Rodden does not like groupies uh, and it will treat you badly. And is very loyal to his wife. <laughs> 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 dude he rules that's really good. I, I really appreciate that that is the most married man in rock music ever it's insanely married it's so married uh that's a fucking wild story no feelings the song on the other hand and ridiculously good another ridiculously good chorus i love it snarly upbeat hooky again one of those things is a it's a youth like this kind of mindlessly i realize they have really good hooks and phrases that when you're younger, it just feels good to sing. Yeah. Like singing no feelings or, you know, there's other things. And yeah, it's just like, oh shit, I didn't even realize you were singing about abortion. So this kind of clung on to the the no feelings Dude, part. Yeah, I mean, but it's yeah. so fun. It's yeah. so fun. Uh fucking problems is one of the two songs here over four minutes, big old epic four minute songs. Dude, that song is proto motorhead. Yeah, interesting. I can hear so much motorhead in that song. Yeah, because it's not one of my favorites. I do like it. It's not one of my favorites here, but uh when was motorhead? I thought was it aren't they in that same time period? I know they were inspired 
Why, Sex Pistols? Yeah. That makes sense. That's, that's fucking fascinating. They've covered, um, I think, God Saves the Queen. Mm-hmm. So there, there's no way. Yeah. Uh, it's also possible that something was in the water, both from the UK and... Yeah, uh, there's... Yeah, I mean, what else happened at the time period? I mean, the, the new, wave of British, new wave of British heavy metal was also on the same time period. Yeah. Um, God Save the Queen, obviously one of the most famous punk songs you ever written. It's very strong. I don't know what else you could say. We've all heard it. There is a sense of irony that that song and Anarchy in the UK are some of the most popular songs in the world that yep. are going to continue to be used in movies and music probably until the end of time. Yeah, and they've amassed such an incredible... <laughs> fortune i think probably I, just from those two songs alone wh- what else is it well people holidays and sun pretty vacant um those are the songs that get licensed mm-hmm. but it's mostly those two of course mm-hmm. um i think I, I saw a quote somewhere that the is it sid vicious i think it's his estate is is still to this day getting getting like 400 grand a year that man shouldn't have an estate. That money should this. I think it's like um, cousins of his. I don't like oh, his mom. Okay. It's not like an estate. It's, I mean, they, sure. that's what they call it, but it's just like family members. I think, yeah, I think it, it's still making that much money today, which. That's an, that's insane. That money should this go to the orphans that Johnny Rotten is going to give money. To? Yeah. Just give them to the orphans. Just because <laughs> they have a prison like <laughs> mentality. Honestly, I think they do. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I don't know anything about orphans. I've, I've heard a lot of. Uh, testimonies from like uh kids in the system it's pretty yeah it's like prison it's it's pretty it's pretty gnarly i like the idea that in mike's free time he's just listening to to podcasts and reading literature about orphans it's what he does for fun it's not far off it's comedians that were orphans Mm. (laughs) bobby kelly by the way uh yeah that's fucking holy it's 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 depressing so at least it's funnier when they tell it but uh yeah and anarchy in the uk obviously another probably the most famous punk song in the world um it's fantastic as we all know i mean the only thing i can say about it that i didn't notice before was the flanger on the guitar i never noticed it until Mm. now for some reason um i feel like there's two redheaded stepchild tracks on here and you brought up one earlier which submission yeah and then the other one being new york Oh, right. I forgot I, about New York. I think between the two, I like New York better. 100%. Just because I didn't, you know, I didn't notice the, the kinks thing. But uh, yeah, they're talking shit about the New York Dolls and I will pick oh. the Sex Pistols <laughs> Check out that episode. over the New York Dolls. Ten times out of ten. ten. Yeah. Without thinking about Not it. even thinking about it. It's It's not even close. So yeah, those are like the if you want to call them weak tracks on a, a legendary album. For sure. I think I probably agree with that. Um, New York is stuffed in a spot where it's meant to, not meant to, it's inevitable to be overlooked. It's second to last track. Mm-hmm. It, it's, of, it's of course exactly the same as every other song. Every song here feels the same. Um, not the same key necessarily, but might as well be the same style of rip, the same kind of uh, minor second minor second progressions which is just you know one fret one mm-hmm. fret over if you're playing on a guitar um <clears throat> a lot of those kinds of riffs i think uh my favorite song and i don't know why but i think pretty vacant has got to be it's real strong it's one of the the bigger songs here it's one of the 
most famous. It's one of the best ones, 100%. It is a song that sticks to my ribs. Always has, always will. I will just get it stuck in my head. And the only way to get it out is with a bullet. And that's the end of the episode. Alex is going to kill himself. Uh, song Not rules. really. Please don't. I can't. <laughs> don't send me I can't, afford, I can't afford to get thrown in a an institution right now. There's too much stuff. Oh, going they're going to say you can't afford a funeral. I, was like, I know. That's why I don't kill myself. Can't afford it. <laughs> uh, but I, it's fucking. It's it's a great song. I mean, all the songs that you know are still great. I'm not really uh, super tired of them. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really excited. I don't really have the itch to listen to this album all the time. But it's like. Mm-hmm. I'm I will never be offended by this album be, being on the same with like a Ramones thing. Like just always put it on. I don't care. I'll never be bothered by it. It doesn't make me excited, but I wouldn't be like, turn that shit off. I don't think yeah. I'd ever get there. It'd be very hard unless someone was, you know, torturing me this on, uh, on no, repeat or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, there's a few little quirky things The outro to problems, which is, it's obnoxious, but I can't help but laugh at it where Johnny's just going, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know why that makes me laugh so much, but I, I do. I do like it. Um, was this, it? This is probably the going back to the opening track, um, Holidays in the Sun. That's probably the first time because uh, unlike unlike you, I, uh, you know, didn't have older brothers. That's probably like the first song ever I heard what's like a home like i know he's not homeless but like like a homeless man ranting over music that's that's uh some of our favorite music here is and it really home, is uh, and it really I and mean, it really is my favorite music in the world is homeless guy on mic and i don't just mean the literal homeless damo suzuki from can <laughs> or, or paul mooney for, for that Jesus. not paul mooney uh malcolm mooney i keep saying paul mooney i did that to you because yeah i the, did that one episode not the comedian paul mooney malcolm mooney uh but Man, yeah jesus lizard every noise rock band essentially yeah um but what else 17 is i mean 17 is also solid with these big group uh vocals in the chorus i i will say uh despite you know being about being a teenager when he says i'm just a lazy sod i've i felt that the man's honest. At least, at least, be honest with us. Yes. That, that's part of. I mean, before it's hard to believe that before this music wasn't that honest. At least, uh, no uh, contemporary music mm. wasn't that. Like, uh, I can't. I'm because that was part of the appeal of like, oh wow, these guys are real pieces of shit, and they're they're owning I, up to it. I think that's um, part of the the status and being a great album is. I think. I think being a a musician, at least a famous one, you had a you had to have some like level of mystique about you, and the Sex Pistols were like there there is none. Yep, yeah, it was like a a blunt weapon, just smashing things in its wake, uh, and that's and we have so much good shit as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it just, it was the perfect time for it. It was, you know, the height of conservatism in like, you know, dominating most of these Western countries. It was, it was, it was time. It was time for something to push back and it happens to be pushed back in a very fun way from afar. It was a very fun album. It's a fun band to uh, entertain, to, to have entertaining, but in it, in it, 
sucked. Oh my god. Because just the stories of Sid Vicious alone. I mean, what a fucking nightmare. Last note. Also, EMI is a very good closer and a very fun song. Yeah. But uh, if we didn't mention EMI, that'd be that'd be ludicrous. So uh, they split up. Their last show was in San Francisco in 1978. Lydon goes back to the UK. Paul and Steve go to Brazil to team up with a train robber, Ronnie Biggs. Uh, and I think Lydon had a quote about that saying like, fuck that guy. He stole from people. Why would you like, why is that? Why are you, why is he something? Which I think is like, I get both sides. How often do you get a chance to play with a train robber? Mm-hmm. But also. Also, stealing from people's pretty punk rock. Pretty, It's pretty punk rock, but also. That sucks. Don't be a fucking... That guy sucks. This guy still sucks. I want to know who he... Well... It was like... It was, it was a train. It was just regular people. I okay, stole money yeah. from So, yeah, that's kind of shitty. But... Uh, and then Sid overdoses and is admitted to a hospital. So, yeah, Johnny Rotten leaves and they put Sid Vicious as the vocalist now, which <laughs> didn't really happen. Jesus. It didn't yeah. really... Nothing... It, it didn't, didn't manifest. At all. Yeah. The only thing that happened uh, that's recorded are... A few covers um, that Sid sang on. One is My Way from Frank Sinatra. And then something else from uh, Bob Cochran and Sharon Sheely. And Come On Everybody from Eddie Cochran. Is that it? I think there was only three songs. If you count Sid Sings, which is a live a live album, um, I guess you can count that. It's con- technically a Sid Vicious solo album. But Paul Cook and Steve Jones are on there. So... I guess you can probably count that. But aside from that, it's only like a few covers that he sang on. And it didn't go well. Uh, Michael McLaren was trying to uh, organize and film the, was it the Great Rock and Roll Swindle, which ended up getting made with uh, Sid Vicious, Steve Jones, and Paul Cook playing small roles. Of course, Johnny Rodden denounced the whole thing and said, mm-hmm. fuck you. Um, and even that was a big travesty. There's a soundtrack for it, which is a bit much. It's and it's entertaining. It has like disco versions of some songs and like orchestral versions of some songs. It has the 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 songs with Sid Vicious on vocals, like My Way, which is pretty goofy, um, kind of funny. And uh, you know, come on, everybody. It's it's not like an essential thing. I mean, if you're a Sex Pistols fanatic, I guess, but. Um, I don't find any reason. I'm not really interested in going back to it, but I also, I'm kind of curious about the movie though. As am I, I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a mockumentary based on the sex pistols. Like, but it's the, it's, it's not really, I mean, it's, it's a fictionalized version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the band members play roles in it. And I think it's partly animated. Or it's all. I don't know how much of it is anime. Honestly, I have no fucking idea about the movie. I'm I'm gonna look into this. But the reason why it's important is because that movie ended up being a big contributor of uh, Malcolm McLaren's downfall mm. and Sex Pistols getting the rights back and getting all the money that they were owed. So Malcolm McLaren is trying to put all that shit together. Meanwhile, Sid gets involved with Nancy's. Nancy, Nancy Spungen, Spungen. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I've never I think heard it out loud. Spungen. I think that is correct. She is uh, a real handful. She's a schizophrenic, um, sometimes uh, groupie, prostitute, uh, junk, heroin junkie. They probably deserved each other. Well, 
Yes, in many ways, because they got involved and she got him hooked on. I think it says that she got him hooked on heroin. No, that man, that man was born to do heroin. Well, apparently before he joined the Sex Pistols, he wasn't like a junkie. And that's one of the reasons that got him. He was, a, he was friends with John Lydon in, in high school or something. And uh, I think there was like an interview with Lydon where he was like emotional saying that he he's so sorry he ever brought him in there because he was like a he says he wasn't a very smart guy and the only redeeming quality about his personality was how funny he was and as soon as he joined the sex pistols gone he was mm. just junky and he was violent i i feel like it was gonna ha- Pro- i mean probably the man gonna, was, it's gonna happen anyways that man was walking yeah. chaos if it wasn't the sex pistols it would have been something else i don't think it if it was something else i don't think it would have happened nearly as fast because this was sure you get access to things you wouldn't normally get well this is like a list celebrity status yeah overnight and when you're 20 years old and like and you're also uh in this really horrific abusive relationship with this this junkie and prostitute girl uh you're already on you're on a path that i'm not gonna touch that path i'm not gonna touch that holy shit so there's all kinds of shit going on uh he's in very he is the, the his assault charges are all over the place mm-hmm. there's like a bunch of stories going around about like how they beat each other and how he would beat her and then she would lie about it to her family and then um she would also hit him and it's like okay this is probably not going to end well they, apparently the band tried everything in their power to get rid of her and like to even like trying to throw her on a plane back to the u.s because she's from i think pennsylvania uh but they couldn't separate them. And because of that, things kept getting worse. The story goes, uh, there, they get super fucked up on these pills. Uh, they find her with a, um, a stab wound in her stomach or something. And there's money missing. And then Sid is like all delirious saying that he killed her, but he didn't mean to. And then he comes to, and he says that he doesn't remember doing any of that. doesn't remember any of it. And there's all these conflicting stories. He fucking, I don't, I don't he, so much he gets arrested a bunch of times he gets let out he assaults someone else fucking with patty smith's brother i think he assaults him with a broken bottle he goes back to fucking jail it's a long list of people it's just it's He's a, probably assaulted more people than who were at the first gig but not more than people who claim to be there yes so maybe well, more than that i'm just <laughs> maybe i'm mixing up all these stories because it doesn't fucking matter he's He's a handful. She gets killed. He doesn't remember if he fucking killed her. He's on trial and he get uh he gets released on bail. He goes to celebrate with a handful of people, one of which, which I didn't fucking know, was fucking Jerry only. Oh shit. Check out the message episode from before we had video, so audio only. And he does heroin and he overdoses. They find a suicide note saying that they had had a, uh, a death pact or a suicide pact, and his this whole time he was just trying to kill himself so he can be with her again and he wanted his at to be buried with her uh but she was jewish and they could they wouldn't allow that so, mm, so regular romeo and juliet story here i know it's a tragedy so someone uh, i forgot who it was they asked the smudgeon's family like can we at least scatter his ashes like on the grave and they're like no but they they broke in and did it anyway because punk <laughs> uh he was, tw- yeah, he was 21 when he died. She was 20. Um, so that's pretty fucking, Ooh. Jesus Christ. Lived a lifetime though. Oh yeah. So after he dies, um, it says here from the website, Malcolm continues work on, to work on the film. And what he does, he couldn't get 
you couldn't obviously couldn't get John Lydon back and to, to make music for it. He had Steve Jones and, and Paul Cook. So what he did was he took old rehearsal tapes, used those vocals, and then had like Steve and Paul record new tracks. And so that's why you hear John on the on that that soundtrack. So because of this, John Lydon begins court action against Malcolm McLaren over contract rights and unpaid monies. A receiver is appointed to control the Sex Pistols assets and the forthcoming film. So in 1986, a good while later, um, it says John Lydon's case against Malcolm McLaren finally comes to the high court in London. McLaren agrees to hand control the band's assets back to the Sex Pistols. Uh, they want everything back. They want all nice. all the funds from the movie. It's mm-hmm. all theirs. Everything. McLaren was disgraced and in, in debt to a lot of people. Good. He went on to try to fuck over many other people <laughs> in the music business. I know that's, he, that's bad. Yeah. He, he, he managed Adam and the Ants, uh, but then he died. But it comes with free toppings. Uh, they're going to say that's good. <laughs> oh. But it comes with a free Froger, I think. Which is also curse. Which is, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> we just we just botched that Simpsons quote, but that's, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, so they get all the rights back, which is which is very good. And in 96, they, they reunite the original lineup with Matt Locke on bass. Uh, yeah, since then, they've, they've done like a few reunions. There's another one in, in um, 2000, 2002. Uh, 2003, they did a, a North American tour, which they set up themselves apparently, with no help from a uh, record corp, uh, company or press. I don't blame them. Yeah. Uh, another thing, like John Lydon. Another thing that just on the nose with like his, I guess, uh, I, which is why I think he's consistent. He's like, uh, it says he he offered to take six people to uh, Iraq to play for the people, not the troops, which is like I think there's a quote where he was talking about how John uh, John Roger Waters, you know, he's very um, outspoken about like he doesn't want to play for for Israel because of the I mean at least before the war you know he wouldn't play for Israel because of the tension or whatever uh, and Lydon was very much of like I'm gonna I'm playing for the people I don't give a fuck what like their mm-hmm. their whole shit is they're not the ones doing the things they're just people um, which I do I definitely respect that too but that's hilarious going to Iraq to not play for the troops is pretty fucking funny I mean. I wouldn't want to play for the troops. I would want to fucking go to Iraq. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. Dude, yeah, that part too. <laughs> fuck that. Uh, in 2003, they were nominated without their approval. Of course. For inclusion in the Rock and Roll Hall of, Hall of Fame, which they didn't, they didn't, they were turned down. But in 2006, uh, some of you might remember this, they were finally inducted uh, and they refused to attend. And instead, they sent a handwritten letter stating their contempt for the institution, which is, again, delightful. It is a garbage institution. It's fucking dog shit. Like, who who are these people that decide? It's like a it's, a, a panel of old dudes. What like it's it's one of those things where it's like, of course, you can't please everybody, but then it's just like some of the like some of the people that have been put in this. It doesn't make any it doesn't make any fucking sense. Also, I think I think if it had more pure intentions, it'd be different. But I think most people know those intentions aren't pure. So I just have a problem with it on a molecular level because just because it's music and it's subjective, like with sports. Fuck yeah, dude. Baseball Hall of Fame. There's those are stats to back it up. The stats here, how many how many people bought your album? That's not really an indicator of of, of art. Like, yeah, yeah. Art is 
harder to yeah i don't think it should exist i don't think the fucking thing should exist the hall of fame not art but also i didn't realize this until reading this right here that in 2007 they re-recorded anarchy in the uk and pretty vacant for guitar hero hell yeah brother they did that because apparently uh the original multi-track masters were misplaced which is uh that's that's neat it's fun it's nice of them uh, that is. Do that. Yeah. Who, who would think out of all the bands? It's just Steve Jones being awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean I'm sure it was, I mean, it wasn't just him. But no, no to the Hall of Fame, yes to video games. Why not? Yeah. It's for the people. It is for <laughs> rock and guitar hero was for the fucking people. Yes. Yes, it was. Um, uh, also, fun little side note, uh, little side quests here. Xbox 360. I've told this with you. Uh, Xbox 360 store will be closing next summer, oh. 2024. So I'm on a, a quest to get all the the rock band DLC that I want. Not all yeah. of it, because that I... A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of garbage in there. And I don't have that kind of money. But I am on a quest to complete my, my rock band library. So join the Patreon. So join the Patreon <laughs> so I can do that. <laughs> and for no other reason. Or if, if someone wants to start a... Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I'm not going to... Don't do it. No. Don't do it. <laughs> if people want to start a GoFundMe to contribute... <laughs> I was right. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Uh, this is fucking hilarious. And it's just such a, a hilarious... It's such a goofy and poetic opposite of what the band initially stood for. Uh, it says pretty vacant was featured in the opening ceremony of the London Olympics. <laughs> just like, it's just the most mainstream. Why? Thing. Yeah. Also, at least it wasn't anarchy in the UK. That, at least someone yeah. was like, we, that's too much. It's a little on it. Yeah. Um, so Malcolm McLaren died uh, of, oh, fuck it. How do you say that? Oh, mesothelioma. Oh, yeah. Mesothelioma. Mesothelioma. Fuck. Mesothelioma. I can't I say that fucking word. No one can. I didn't even think it's real. You ever stay home when you're sick as a kid and you see the infomercials for it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. If you or a loved one is suffering from mesothelioma, you may be entitled to a cash settlement. There it is. And apparently... I don't have the phone numbers. I'm surprised McLaren didn't cash in on that, being a fucking swingler that he is. Uh, but he died in a Swiss hospital. Uh, in 2010, he was 64. Um, John Lennon continues to make music for, for Public Image Limited. Their most recent album um, came out this year on, in August called End of the World, or sorry, End of World. And uh, the lead single, Hawaii, is a tribute to his late wife, Nora Foster, who died on, on April 6th, uh, 2023. Uh, Forster had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2018. From then on, Lydon was apparently her full-time carer when not on tour. God damn, that's a brutal five years, man. Um, Steve Jones lives in LA and continues to host his weekly radio show, Jones's Jukebox. On um, damn, that's still going. Huh? Well, not, it's not on Indy one hundred three point one anymore because that's not a it's not a radio station anymore. Um, it was it was there and then and then it was like I mean we, I forget where it, it moved to some other place and then it moved to K Rock and then it moved somewhere else. I forget. It's, it's moved around a lot. Sure has. That's all that matters. Um, since he had a heart attack in twenty nineteen. Um, before that, he was doing it every day. Now he only does it once once a week. Uh, but Tom says you can watch many of his interviews on YouTube. I mean, he's a really entertaining guy. Yeah. Um, he says uh, he's had a ton of legends on the show from Stuart Copeland. Check out the fucking police episode. To Josh Homme, check out Caius, Them Cricket Vultures, the new Queens of Stone Age album. We've done all these episodes. Um, to Gary Oldman. Uh, and he says, of course he has. He's the man. You know what? I'm going to look up that 
Gary Oldman episode. That must be interesting. I saw a couple uh, paraphrasing of what he said. Apparently, he hated the movie um, Sid and Nancy, and he he detests punk rock. So Gary Oldman can go fuck himself. (laughs) No, no. He's a gem. He's a good... He's one of the best actors. I I won't tolerate that. He's one of the best actors, but... Go fuck yourself, dude. <laughs> Punk no. rules. Punk rules. You leave that old man alone. Ah, uh, just because that's his name. Well, I'll forgive him for just because of his rule on tiptoes. Tiptoes, fifth element. Fifth element was pretty sick. All right, I'll give him that. Batman movies. He was also the only good part of Dracula. That's no. probably a controversial opinion. I didn't like that movie at all. That is controversial opinion. I shouldn't stand for that either. I think the movie is pretty hokey and... Mm-hmm. Some of the special effects are like strange, but mm-hmm. him as Dracula was incredible. His, I mean, him as, especially even like his uh, makeup and special effects was was incredible as well. It's the only, or maybe only a handful of horror movies that feels like a fucking fever dream. It does. The some of the parts are very strange. I Tom Waits is in it for some reason. Is he? The worst part about that movie is fucking Keanu Reeves. Of course, is he, is he can't do a British accent. And he's trying and to. Even then, that adds some weird David Lynchian element to it. There is, there's like wonkiness that I like. Uh, toward the end, there's, there's a you a know, shot. No, it's not a spoiler. It's a shot where he's on a horseback outside. Also, it's like a. It's thirty year movie. Yeah. Yeah came out over 30 years ago read the uh, fucking book I, <laughs> but he's on a horseback and it's supposed to be like uh dusk or like sunset and he's on a horseback and he's he, but you could clearly tell he's just in a room with colored lighting it's like mm-hmm. it's, and it's like this won an oscar for special effects and like how like it's obviously it, he's in a room i don't i love i love the way it looks really i like Oh, you love it. I like love the way that movie looks. Um, I don't know if it won for special effects, but it 100% did win for costume design. Maybe that's what it won. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I could see that. Yeah. did. It's funny. I didn't expect to talk about Dracula this much. She has a fucking suit. The most like, I think Gary Oldman was like complaining about that weird suit of armor that doesn't look. Oh, yeah, look- the red one. He was like, he's like, I can't fucking move in this. It doesn't look very comfortable. Also, there's rumors that Ford Coppola didn't really direct it, that he was just kind of checked out and he he lit like his son or someone. So is he also just following the path of Marlon Brando? <laughs> uh, n- no, I... Because he was also the guy who just checked out and stopped reading lines, and just ad-libbed everything. I don't know what Ford Coppola's deal is, but um, I saw this video where they're like, you know, like, they think he's like a weird dude, but really, would you rather be Ford Coppola or George Lucas? One of them is making wines and supporting his daughter and seems happy all the time. The other one is just fucking miserable, begrudgingly dealing with a franchise he fucking hates. Honestly, if you sold it, you should go into your little home. Your, I'm sorry, your giant home. Yes. Fucking relax, dude. Jesus Christ, you fucking frog. He always said he was a, an independent experimental filmmaker, but he never... He had... 30, 40 fucking years. Sorry, uh, we're way off track. <laughs> we all know George Lucas is a complete hack and he had great collaborators. Like with many great uh, works of art, you find out that it was... Like Sid Vicious. He he was just... 
he was just a poster boy. He had he, the look. He's an idea man. He wasn't. He had no ideas. His idea was oh, to no. get hammered and break bottles. Yeah. He literally did nothing except look punk. That was his job. That's why he was brought on to look punk. It worked. Lame. Yeah, he stunk. He really stunk across the board. But uh, apparently Paul Cook continues to play drums in various projects. Uh, Glenn Matlock continues to make music most re- recently as Glenn Matlock and the Philistines uh, and their latest album Consequences Coming came out earlier this year. And <laughs> Tom notes here, Sid Vicious continues to be dead. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> sure does. Also, one thing that I forgot to mention of Glenn Matlock's importance to the band, I said he wrote all the music. So when you replace the member who writes all the music, they literally, they wrote two songs after he he left he left that was that was the band two songs they were destined to crumble and die yeah like that was what was meant to happen i mean come on just a supernova yeah it it did its job man um which is interesting too because i believe the damned were the first british punk band to tour the u.s and they had a a pretty good run a lot of great albums long career I think it's still going, honestly. Um, I forget though. But yeah, these this is the one that this is the scary band, the one that scared people and drew all the attention. This is definitely the supernova, hundred percent. Uh, but there it is. Thank you for so much for listening and watching. We finally covered one of the most famous albums in the world. Because why not? We have a podcast where we talk about music, and sometimes it's fun to talk about stuff that you've heard a thousand times. Uh, don't worry. Next week, it will not be nearly as popular. <laughs> Do I not mean, worry. We went on a string of not popular things. We we need to rebound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we, we cover plenty of like, we love covering obscure shit, but like sometimes it gets too obscure, like extremely obscure. And even then, like it's that's bringing back from, a little bit. That's coming from Mike. Exactly. There's a sweet spot. Our sweet spot is Fugazi Ween butthole surfers. Mm. Like that's a no means no. That's a sweet spot of like cult cults fan bases and, and supporters, but they clearly haven't b- broken in the way that you know their household names by any means. Uh, but I still love the I still love the bullshit. Still love all the, the tiny unknown crazy weird bands that you should never put on in front of polite company. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's a wraps it up for this one. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you like us and hate us, I don't fucking care. Leave a comment. Do it if you want. I, it doesn't matter, but you matter. But it does because the algorithm. So leave a comment. Man, fuck the algorithm. <laughs> that's that, also why we, we do need the it. sex pistols because the algorithm. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? This is probably need 80 views. Fucking whatever. We'll see how it goes. Just do what you please to help us. Like the video if you like it. Subscribe if you want to hang out with us uh, longer and check our backlog. We have, we've done a million fucking episodes. We've undoubtedly covered many bands that you like and you're probably going to hate us for what we said about them, but it's okay. Uh, follow me on all social media at PanderMonkey and Alex on Instagram at Every Album Alex. Please follow our history guy Tom Osmond at Tom Osmond Sounds on all social media as well as TomOsmondSounds.com. Um, he does a bunch of work for us. He gets us albums. He gets us interviews. He gets us info. And he also puts out music. You can find links to both his albums in the description as well as a link to my EP in the description as well. Uh, and last but not least, Patreon, baby, patreon.com slash every album ever. That's where you go. You get bonus episodes. You get to see our schedule in advance. You get to vote on polls to decide who we cover next. You get to join our discord, be a part of our very fun community. Um, 
and hang out with us there as well as suggest uh, new albums for our EAE singles episodes. We pick all the suggestions out of Discord. And if you're tier two, then you could suggest a full discography for us to cover on these longer numbered episodes. Well, this one wasn't long, but whatever. They're usually much longer. Uh, in addition to suggesting a full episode and full discography, you can also suggest individual albums from any discography that you want to talk about on a bonus episode on Patreon, uh, where it will stay exclusive to there. So go there, do that. Thank you. I think that about does it. It does do it. Now, what are we going to listen to? Bodies. Let's do bodies, baby. Hell yeah. So let the bodies hit the, the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> this is, thank you so much for listening and watching. See ya. Hey, hey.